Welcome back. We are talking about survivorship bias today. So Eddie and I have had good experiences in boot camp and known, you know, some some other folks that have had good experiences. But does that mean that everybody has a good experience when they go through a boot camp? What are the what are the averages? Like what's the percentage of folks that do well that get hired? So we dig into our own experiences, uh, some a little bit of anecdotal evidence as well as pull up some numbers from some third parties and see what their surveys have revealed. So uh, tune in for that. And then uh, after that, we get into Nerd Minute and we talk a whole lot about arcade machines. So I hope you enjoy it. As always, uh, leave a like, subscribe, hit us up on Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever. We love to hear from you and enjoy the show. Welcome to Tech Junior. My name is Lee Work Junior. Uh, I'm a full stack JavaScript person. Uh, instructor and other things, I guess, at this point. It gets so weird doing this intro nowadays. I uh, have with me, as always, Eddie. What's up, Eddie? Hey, I'm Eddie. I am a software engineer. That's a lot <laughs> easier with way the to title. say all the things that you said as well. Uh, yeah, same with, yeah, yeah, title. Because, you know, engineer pays you more than what? We had someone on the, the, on the podcast that said that as well. Could have been um, Michelle Brenner, I think. Yeah, someone said like use engineer because you'll get paid more than saying you're a developer or something like that. Um, but anyway, yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we're we're trying to get back in the swing of things, so yep. we'll we'll smooth this out eventually. Uh, but today we want to talk about survivorship bias. So what is that? It is. I'm glad you asked. Uh, thanks for the <laughs> softball intro there. Uh, survivorship bias. So it's a logical fallacy, which uh, if you're familiar with high school debate, uh, is one of the things that you should not use to try and argue, right? So um, what's a good logical fallacy? Like an ad hominem attack. So if, if Eddie and I are talking about something, and I'm like, well, Eddie, you're wrong because you're dumb or something. You know, that's a, oh, that's a logical fallacy. So survivorship bias is one of those, except uh, with with this, it is... So let, let's say, for example, we're arguing the merits of, I don't know, joining the army. And okay. <clears throat> let's say that I am joining the army in like the 60s during the Vietnam War. And you're joining the army like today when we're not at war, uh, at least as far as I know. Um, you're, you go through and do your tour and you're like, oh, you know, joining the army is a great idea. Uh, I went through the army and I survived and like my friends survived. Right. And then I come out and I'm like, Oh man, I was in the army during Vietnam and like tons of people died and you know, most of my friends are dead and all this stuff. So it, it's the different perspective. But if you separate out like the personal experience from it, you would have like a different, uh, data set. I don't know if I'm explaining this right, but basically okay. the, the way I want to tie this into, uh, technology and, and the podcast and whatnot is we both went to a boot camp. Yep. And we both came out the other side and got hired relatively quickly. Mm -hmm. So we've come on, well, come on the show before and recommended boot camps, right? Or at yeah, least I, I, I recommend it to all of my friends. I've had two so far that have, well, one that went through it another one that's currently going through it. Right. So however, it, you and I are two people out of, what must be at this point, many thousands of people yeah. that have taken a boot camp in the Orlando area where we're at. Yeah. So do also we have, worked, sorry to don't mean to cut you off, but we also worked with a bunch of people that have been through boot camps, last job and this job as well. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm teaching now, right? Boot camp students. So, you know, I've got my own perspective on that as well, but <clears throat> are we, suffering from survivorship bias whenever we recommend boot camps because it worked for us. Yeah. So that's, that's what I want to get at today. Okay. So I guess to kick it off, uh, you recommend them to all of your friends. So, uh, yep. do you know lots of classmates that got hired? Uh, so for the classmates that, um, I've talked to, so <laughs> It's not, I mean, I don't know how, how the sounds or whatever, but the ones that 
did well in the class seem to have gotten hired um everyone i know that i just kind of like stay connected to on linkedin or whatever um like my first job i had i i was working with two of the people from my boot camp um and i know of a couple other that have gotten hired or maybe some still working at it like i talked to one person that was i did a group project with and um he actually came out to one of our meetups um nice like a year after we had finished our boot camp and he just took a break from everything and then around that time he was looking again um i don't know what came of that because like shortly after pandemic so <laughs> um i don't know what what's come of that but um yeah for the most part and anyone that really put their all into the the class seems to have gotten hired what about you uh so I kind of have the same impression of it. Like I've obviously gone to a boot camp and like taught at a couple, well, taught for a couple different courses that have, have come through. Uh, cohorts, I guess would be the right term. Uh, so out of my class, um, I can think of a handful that are working in the industry. Uh, but on at the same time, I don't keep in touch with all of them. Right. And like there are, or maybe 10 out of 30 that are actually on LinkedIn. Right. And yeah. out of that, like maybe two or three of them, do I ever see like post anything? That means something though. Cause part of a homework assignment was just like, make a LinkedIn profile, <laughs> like reach out to your classmates, write a review, like, uh, or whatever it is of, of your fellow classmates of like a, you know, like projects you worked on together. And if they haven't done that, then they don't really want a job period. You know what I mean? Like they're not, they're not really putting in the effort. If you can't do those basic things, you know, you don't want the job. Right. So that that's kind of the, <clears throat> my takeaway from it was from the classes that I've been in or been a part of the people at the top of the class tend to do well. Right. So yeah. Person that does all the homework, does phenomenal projects. Um, comes out, you know, participates, right? Talks to me, asks me questions about, hey, is this company good or should I apply here? What should I do? Takes feedback, all that stuff. They seem to get hired right away. Um, there are, of course, folks that struggle. Uh, I, I do know a lot of uh, students that are still looking for jobs, right, from last year or the year before. Okay. So it, it's kind of like a, a mixed bag for me personally. Uh, but I, I still feel like, you know, is that the boot camp's fault? Right? Because there is like a level of personal responsibility there. There is. And I I would lean toward no. Because sometimes it's just, I don't want to curse, but it's just bad luck. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the other compounding factor is like, it, you know, we're living in the time of, I don't, can we even say COVID anymore? I don't know. <laughs> Everybody on yeah. YouTube like doesn't even say COVID, but really <laughs> living in the time of the great pandemic. So, yeah, uh, it's, you know, like my buddy is always making fun of me saying like love in the time of cholera or whatever, but, or cholera, <laughs> um, it, we're getting hired in the time of COVID. So, uh, that makes things harder, obviously, because, you know, if you're unaware, if you're a junior developer and you don't have any experience, it's very difficult to get a remote job reason yeah. being most of those companies like want to basically vet you first. Mm -hmm. Uh, they, they want to make sure that you are going to do work and have like access to other people to help you. Right. And that sometimes that's difficult through remote work. Uh, I, I'm sure part of it is like a trust thing and they just like don't want to hire somebody and be paying them and not have any idea if they're actually doing work. But yeah. also it, it's kind of beneficial to be in the office. Like I feel like I didn't get that <laughs> whenever I started my first job because I was working in an office, but my team was remote to me in the office. So I like yeah. jump on zoom calls with people anyway, which was silly. But mm -hmm. I think the typical experience is you're going to be in an office with people that you're actually working with. So, you know, when you factor in like the pandemic, everything's remote now. And a lot of people have been laid off. So like, Orlando itself, 
the industry is taking a huge hit like Disney. Disney doesn't oh, yeah. have all of the um, tourism that it used to get. You know, their their numbers are, are slipping. So they laid off a lot of people, you know, a lot of cast members. And I'm sure developers were in that group. Same thing with Universal. So you've got all those people that are now in the market looking for work, and they're competing against these people that are coming straight out of boot camp. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that doesn't help. Um, and Orlando, like, some people will probably argue me on this. I would say Orlando is not a tech hub. I think it has, like, tech companies, but I would not say that it has, like, a lot of tech, tech companies. Uh, it has, like, defense contractors in and around the area. So if you're, like, writing C and C++ and Java, yeah. like, yeah, odds are pretty good if you're coming out yeah. of, like, a CS program. But as far as, like, web jobs, there's a lot of PHP here, um, which yeah. doesn't pay very well. And the JavaScript job competition is, like, incredibly fierce. So it doesn't like paint a good picture. However, like I said, the people that do well in the class seem to get hired. So it, it's, it's hard for me to like separate that out personally. Yeah, I see that. Um, I guess if it is a tech hub, it's probably in it's like infancy. still. there's some big companies here. You got Disney universal EA. Um, I mean, uh but yeah i guess (laughs) (laughs) um you know i think about like when i think of tech hub i think of like atlanta or san francisco or new york city stuff like that um i just don't think orlando has like the same opportunities that those bigger areas have like the a person that we know uh chris arter that we interviewed a couple years ago uh, he just I think to... he's the one that said the engineer thing. Anyway, sorry. It could have been. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just moved to Raleigh, which is like the Oh, really? The, the tri-state area uh, is like a burgeoning tech hub. Yeah. There's a lot of jobs over there. I would I don't think I would say the same for Orlando. Okay. Uh, there's we've got like consultancies and we've got like a lot of design shops and stuff, but only like a handful of what I would call big tech companies. And a lot of them do like contracting. They don't have like, I mean, they do have full-time positions, but it seems like a lot of the opportunities are, are contracting. There's definitely that because, uh, get recruiters all the time. Yeah. Just constantly about contracting positions. Yeah. So, you know, the, this, this is why I wanted to talk about it because, you know, we, we're constantly telling people like, yeah, bootcamp works. Like if that, if that model works for you and you, you can afford it, do it. Uh, but is it a good idea? So, uh, I, I checked out some numbers, right. And, uh, we've got career karma. Uh, they okay. look, looked into this, uh, late last year and they have a number of, uh, 74 to 90% uh, bootcamp students land a programming job within six months of graduation. And so it says, say uh, that again, I mean, be- between 74 and 90% of coding bootcamp students land a programming job within six months. Now that's mm. nationwide, not in Orlando. Okay. I know it's a very flattering number, right? Like, yeah. I don't know if I believe that. Yeah. That sounds too good to be true. So course report, um, who looks at I think a lot of like colleges typically, but mm. they they have research on boot camps. They've got an article from late 2019, and they say 83 uh, percent of the graduates surveyed say they've uh, been employed in a job, yeah. and that was out of I think I think they talked to 2000 yeah 1800 students they surveyed out of 79 schools so again i'm sure that's like i'd in be the curious tech hub about areas. like where these schools are located yeah Just so like you mentioned tech area tech areas but like the career 80 percent of my class is like <laughs> uh is hired anywhere so f- the career karma uh report looks like it's in it's taking numbers from tech hubs so like san francisco uh, Chicago, Atlanta, 
uh, Washington, D.C. So, like, bigger areas, right? That makes way more sense, though. So, I'm sure that that's why it's, like, a more flattering number, right? Because, like, those locations have maybe not a pipeline, but I would say, like, an understanding or a kind of a, a history of having boot camp students in the the industry and those companies are used to hiring boot camp students. I, I, I don't think I would say the same for Orlando. It, it feels so, like when you get hired in Orlando, it's like, oh, we we've hired a couple of boot camp students and it worked it worked out. Or we hired one and it was terrible and we're never gonna hire them again. You you don't really see like any partnership between companies and boot camps where they're like, oh yeah, we hire lots of boot camp students. So I mean the last job I had, they hired a lot of boot camp students, and they just recently hired a few more. Um, so I, I'm just curious, like, so you taught online, right? So do you know, have an idea of like where your students were located? Is so I've East done, Coast? I've done in person and online, but both were uh, through UCF, so it was in the Orlando area. Even the online was Orlando. Oh, I figured it was like just open to everybody since that's interesting. Okay. I know you've done a lot of tutoring because mm-hmm. the, the students I've tutored were also in like that North Carolina area, like Raleigh and I had one from Chicago and she got hired. So okay. I mean, that's um, one out of, like, I had a few in New York and then, and a few in North Carolina um, I think I did one, uh, I had one in Miami as well, but that's about it. I, most of mine were East coast. Uh, yeah, I would my, say the same. Most of mine were, were East coast. Okay. I had a, a, a bunch of UX students that I never got to tutor because they never made their appointments uh, in California. <laughs> <laughs> that is an interesting note. Like there's other industries aside from like, you know, yeah. web development that you can jump into. I think like our boot camp is doing uh data science they're doing ux like you mentioned uh information security so infosec yeah um and i think i think a few more things i think they have like a fintech boot camp they have a lot i think so yeah um yeah there are more coming up so Um, we're we're talking about web dev right javascript You, you get in you learn node and react basically um and yeah i obviously this data is uh gathered from like the biggest boot camps in the biggest cities right so it's it's more flattering I don't, I don't i can't put a number on orlando but i can say like we're not maybe the worst off as far as like you know we're not like random manufacturing area in oklahoma that has like zero tech jobs yeah um or like where i'm at in like north of orlando where there's literally one company that has like web work yeah so i guess I mean, it could be worse but it also could be a lot better but like as far as where they place these things, the, the companies that do these, like they're doing research. They they see something here that there's a potential, which is why they, they have these schools where they place them. So they have a potential for students, but, yeah, I, don't, but I don't know if they, they have like they need potential to have, for jobs. I don't yeah, think but they, there has to, to be them. some potential for jobs for them to place it somewhere. Otherwise... The, the, there's going to be bad word or mouth in that area and the school closes. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. There's enough people like you and me and the people that we went to class with getting hired, singing the, the praises of the boot camp and around us. And like, like I told you, I got two of my friends to actually go to the boot camp as well. Like it, it's working to some degree, at least here. I, so I, I'm not trying to be negative or anything, but I can no, speak no, to ahead. The boot camp is profitable. Like it is. Yeah, yeah, well. definitely. They're, you know, getting students in and they pay the tuition and they go through the program. Um, most of them make it through the program, I can say. You know, there's there's always like a couple that drop out in the first couple of weeks, and there's always some that just are on the struggle bus the entire time. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, a very large percentage of those that start finish. You know, did they grasp all of it? I, I wouldn't say that, but mm-hmm. do they end up at a point where like they have the fundamentals of programming? Yeah, I would say that. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's the, a for-profit college though, is, is I that mean, enough? not college, but 
it's a for-profit thing. They're going to sell you hopes and dreams and stuff like that. Right. Um, so that's going to happen. But yeah, I think for the most part, they're going to, it's a business. They're going to put, you're going to put a store where you can actually sell stuff. So I, I mean, for, for them to sell stuff, some of you have to have some success stories for that to actually work out. Right. So, and then so, you have idiots like you and me, you know, well, like, that's what I'm saying. Hey, like, it works are for we us. The, are we the, the success story? I always think of, you remember hooked on phonics when you were like a kid and the commercial was like, hooked on phonics work for me. Yeah. I feel like that's us sometimes where we're like, yeah, well, we I did mean, it. It worked, you know, it worked for me. Yeah. boot camps worked for me. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I just wanted to to get like a realistic view of of the market because there are always people like you talk to like Joe Blow developer uh, out of your community. If it's not like San Francisco, you're in, you know, a non tech hub location like I would say we are. And they just they just poo poo it. Basically, they're like, oh, boot camps. Ugh, that's garbage. Why would first of all, why would you pay so much money to go get something you can get off free code camp? And then second, yeah. I've hired a boot camper and they don't know anything. They don't know regex or algorithms or whatever. So Shit, I don't, I, uh, regex. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just go to that one site and then plug shit in. Oh, start stuff in. And then <laughs> I think, that, I think that's all of the city and, that, and then copy and paste it. Yeah. I had to teach regex and then I finally like got some of the basics down. Yeah. I'm always blown away by someone that would just like go ahead and, type it in or like i know uh, what that means like i can do like the star basics. slash whatever mean like <laughs> uh anyways yeah so i mean my experience with getting hired in orlando was maybe i got lucky but i was also like at the top of the class when i went through <clears throat> so i totally feel like i got lucky so, so? I, well i i say this all the time whenever it comes up um, your projects are important. Impress the people you go to class with because those people can potentially get you a job, which is what happened with me. Um, someone else I went to a class with got a job and she ended up giving my name to her boss because she remembered me because I impressed them with my final project and that's how I got my job. And at the time, I was struggling. I went through a bunch... Like We went through this in our last... I don't know when this episode is going to go up, but in our two year dev episode where I, I struggled with interviewing, that has always been an issue um, with like, you know, uh, code challenges and whatnot. So um, and then to get the, the, the recommendation, kind of a foot in the door kind of thing um, through that person, because we went to class together and she remembered me because of my project and that that kind of give me a little bit more confidence going through that process. Um, but yeah, so that, that, that's just something to, excuse me. I like to put out there. Uh, yeah. We've, you know, we, we did the whole, the whole series on getting into the industry, but yeah. like, like you said, you know, for us, we did like everything. I think we did, we had the projects, we had portfolio, we had, uh, some strong networking that happened. You know, we, we did the podcast. We had a lot of community involvement, do the meetup. Um, you know, interface with the bootcamp after we left, kept in touch with people. Just, we, we did all the things and it worked out for us. Yeah. We did a talk for the so, bootcamp too. You yeah. Did two. I did. <laughs> yeah. You did one and then we did one together. Yeah. I've done like in-person ones also where, <laughs> you know, they, they put us up on a panel and then, uh, graduating yeah. students or That's the one prospective students to. like ask us uh, questions, but yeah, I offered to do one for a class, but COVID happened and then they just never, never happened. Oh, COVID. Yeah. COVID. So magical. Uh, COVID. Could have done two <laughs> conference talks by now, <laughs> at least. <laughs> oh, conferences. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, those? So we we did all the things, and I guess the question the the question at the heart of all this discussion is: Is it reproducible? I like to think it is. Yeah, me too. And I think that the negative impression of our market there are there is some truth to it because you know Orlando was not an easy place to get hired in before the pandemic. 
-hmm. there are a lot of boot camp programs in Florida. Um, the pay in Orlando is not the best, right? Compared to the cost of living. Yeah. So there's a lot of factors like working against it. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't come out and say like, yeah, I think 74 to 90% of bootcamp grabs get jobs. Uh, I think that that's, you know, a, a much lower percentage in our area. Yeah. I'd like to see what those numbers are here. And I think that a lot in, of that or in non tech hubs. Like, I think a lot of that is like people do the boot camp and then they just don't apply or they, they're like, eh, coding's not for me. That could be true. I've definitely seen that. I've seen people like, yeah. they, they come in and they just burn out on it. They're like, meh, I'm not into that, it. That, like one of the friends I mentioned, she went through the whole thing. I helped her. She had tutors as well. Um, she was a, de- a designer before all of this. And then um, just didn't work out for her and just found that it just wasn't for her. Yeah. She's still, she's still a designer. She's a great designer. Um, just not for her. So I, in one of the classes that I TA'd for, I had a fellow that was a lawyer and he went through the course. He did fine. He did great. Uh, he applied to one place and they asked him like, are, are you sure you want to be a developer when you're already a lawyer? And then didn't hire him. And that was it. He didn't ever apply anywhere else. And he just went back to being oh, a lawyer. That sucks. So, I mean, the, uh, another fellow that I went through the bootcamp with, he was like a C-level executive at a company and he was like, oh, I'm going to be an, an engineer. And then he went through the bootcamp again, did fine. He wasn't top of the class, but he just wasn't interested in it. He would okay. rather be a, you know, a person in meetings doing the, the business side of it. So yeah. he went back to being an executive. So like that, <clears throat> that happens all the time in boot camps. You know, I imagine very similar to like college. How many people do you know that like went to college, got like a liberal arts degree and did nothing with it? You know, they went and did something totally different. Yeah. So me, I have a degree in Japanese language. Do I do anything with Japanese? No, <laughs> nothing. Watch uh, anime. Watch anime with, with still with subtitles in English. So, <laughs> like, I can watch a movie and then if they say something in Japanese, like, yeah, I got that or something. But <laughs> it's just people are people, and they're they're not. It's not like you know a function where you you put an input and you get an output. You don't yeah. put people into a boot camp and you get like a repeatable percentage of folks that go into the industry. There's just thoughts and minds change. You know, the pandemic has happened. Uh, the market shifts, right? So like boot camps as a phenomenon have matured, I think, in the, the past couple of years. So yeah. it used to be Ruby was the big thing. Then it's it shifted to full stack JavaScript. Uh, so it's been, you know... I don't know, maybe a decade that we've had boot camps in the Orlando area. So think of like multiple classes a year all around the state. Uh, you know, there's many thousands of folks that have gone through these programs. Are all of them working as developers? I don't think so. So again, at the end of the day, like if you're passionate about it and you do well in the class, I think you have a really good shot of getting a job even here where, where it's hard to get hired. However, it's going to be hard. You know, we, yeah. we had to work really hard to get hired. And even from there, once we got hired, keep working hard to go yep. get into a better job. So. <laughs> right. Am I wrong? I you are correct. Thank you. No, I want to talk about arcades. Yeah. That's all I got to say on it. Really? <laughs> uh, let's, let's go into nerd minute. So, um, I've got yes. my thing, but. But Eddie has recently, like we've both gotten into uh, the home arcade thing. So I, I bought uh, two, actually two like three quarter size arcade machines. And then I've got a couple that hang like over a door. So they're like mini arcade machines. Yeah. So you can, you can mount them on a wall or put them like behind a door. So I've got like one in my on my closet door in my office that I hang up and play like centipede and stuff on it. So but they're Eddie, like enough for one player, right? Yeah, they're one player, uh, player thing. So I've got like an Atari one that has uh, like the trackball games. Right? Okay. So it has centipede, millipede. Can you pers- open those up? At all? Yeah, Can I mean they're open they're just up? held together with screws like anything else. Okay. Hmm. I'm you, thinking you, now. You could mod it. I'm sure. I'm thinking. <laughs> I also have a Pac-Man one that has like Dig Dug and stuff on it. Galaxian. Okay. Like a, 
Cool. Uh, and then the the three quarter size, I've got one from um, SNK, uh, made by Unico that has like Samurai Showdown and um, Metal Gear, uh, not Metal Gear, <laughs> Metal Slug. Uh, I wish I had Metal Gear. That'd be awesome. Oh uh, yeah. And then another one from Arcade. I have Metal up. Gear. <laughs> Very nice. That has a uh, Marvel vs. Capcom and all that stuff. So. But Eddie, you went out and bought some secondhand ones and modded them. So, yeah. Uh, tell tell me about that. Okay. But first off, because of you, I've been playing a lot of Mark of the Wolves. Um, been playing a lot of Butt. You're playing you, as Butt. Yeah. <laughs> if you awesome? know who Butt, because he's basically Ryu from Street Fighter, kind of, but cooler. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you've never played that, that's a that's a good game. Um, so after our conversation in our like two-year dev thing um i went on a tear and like i want i really wanted an arcade machine as well so i i had purchased three arcade one-up machines so i i got a ninja turtle machine i got a x-men versus street fighter and then i got a marvel machine as well a marvel superheroes machine um so and i modded two of them so far um, the first one I modded was the Ninja Turtle machine, and it was probably a bad idea to do that one first. <laughs> Just it it involved a lot of um, basically woodworking. I had to like because the so what I did was I I also the first time I I ever played with a Raspberry Pi, so I I bought a Raspberry Pi, a three B uh, a three B plus I think it's called. So it's the three B plus whatever or plus B. I forget which way it goes. Um, I know the fours are out, but um, from the research I've done and all the tutorials I looked at, everyone was working with that particular Raspberry Pi. So I just thought it'd be easier, so I didn't run into anything weird. Um, and it's been great. So the Raspberry Pi part was very easy. Um, basically, um, if anyone's interested, there's a YouTube um, channel. Uh, the guy's called uh, Rival Boss, and he has we, this we really good. It. What's that? So we can link it. Okay, cool. It, he has a really good. Um, so basically, you could get images that you just burn to a SD card or micro SD card, and then just pop that in your Raspberry Pi, and you you have all the ROMs and it's everything set up with RetroPie, and it's all good. Um, there's a website R- called... ROMs that you've legally purchased. Oh uh, yes, of course. If you have uh, if you have the legal. <laughs> games then you can have a rom and then yeah do your modding thing <laughs> there's we, another we, tech junior does not endorse any piracy exactly um so there's a website called um arcade punks where you could get all these different images and stuff like that um for different sizes so like i bought a 128 gig micro sd card and this fit perfectly on that so i think i had like 10 gigs to play with after um so yeah, I put that on there. Raspberry Pi part was very easy. So um, on the Ninja Turtle cabinet, I modded the monitor. So I removed the 17-inch monitor. I put a Dell 4x3 20-inch monitor in there. And um, that was a bit of a pain. So you basically use the mount that the 17 inches on, measure the new one on top of that mount, and then you cut space, push it in there. Um, it's fairly a lot of videos on YouTube to, to do that. Um, and that came out great. Um, it was pretty easy. I I made my own, like, um, what's it called? I, to cover up all the tape I I did, I just use a poster board. I cut out the shape of the monitor and then I, on eBay, I, for $7, I bought a hundred Ninja Turtle stickers put it all over the the poster board <laughs> and then cut out the the square so it looks like it's part of the 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 cabinet which is pretty cool and I did the same thing for the for the marble cabinet I just haven't done that part yet um yeah and all the buttons are LED the two in the middle have six buttons each so we can play street fighter games or like you know any kind of fighting games the two on the sides now have four buttons before they all had two buttons a piece so that was the hard part um, drilling all the holes, making sure everything's lined up. I cracked the acrylic, so I had to get rid of that. 
You cracked the acrylic. Big tip. If you plan to do this mod, reverse. Use Get a, a, a whole drill bit. Um, I forget which one I used, but drill it in reverse. Do not drill it forward because it'll grab the acrylic and lift it up. And then even if you go slow, it'll kind of crack it. And if I, I held it down too tightly and it cracked the acrylic, but if you do it in reverse, it won't grab the acrylic. It'll just cut right through it. Hmm. And yeah, it works. It's so much easier. So Did you use the step I, bit? No, I didn't. I, you can use a step bit for the wood. Um, I haven't seen anyone use a step bit for what the acrylic. What was acrylic that you were drilling through? It's very thin acrylic. The same stuff that you probably have on your one-up cabinet. Is it the top of the control panel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought that was like a piece of plastic. Uh, or a plexiglass, whatever you want to call it. So what I ended up doing, since I cracked that, I went to Lowe's and I bought a big, a big piece of <laughs> acrylic. And I took the cracked piece. I taped it together so it was whole again. Put it on top of the, the piece I bought. Drew it out with a marker. Drill all the, the holes that I needed to drill and then cut that out manually and drilled it. And then I, I fixed it all. And then now that's what I have on my cabinet. <clears throat> some of the holes were, got misaligned. I guess some stuff moved after I, I marked everything, but for the most part, it's completely, it works. So nice. I also bought a Dremel so I could fix some of the holes that I, I messed up. But, um, but yeah, I had to do the whole thing from scratch again. That's why I'm saying if you drill it backwards or in reverse, you get a bunch of like the, the acrylic kind of melts and it gets pushed, pushed down from, from it going so fast or whatever. But that's pretty easy to, to cut off with like a, if you have a big exacto knife or whatever. Um, that's what I was or thinking. I it's like you could have like probably used a, a razor and just cut out the holes. Yeah. Well, no, not the holes. You need a, a one of those hole bits, those circle bits. That'll cut a hole in wood. Um, well, for the, the plastic that goes on top. Yeah, and I just bought a Dremel because so, I wonder. I, I'm not super happy with the acrylic that I just did, so I want to do it again. And I bought a Dremel just so I can like sand off some of the stuff a little easier and make finer adjustments to it. Um, and I thought it would be a good thing to have anyway. Hmm. whatever i do uh just small projects around the house anyway so here's here's what i want to know how much money did you have to spend on top of the price oh of the probably cabinet? way more <laughs> like what like ballpark it for me um well i mean for, for like the ninja turtles one okay so <clears throat> the four player kit i bought i will say this the buttons i bought and the sticks i bought are way better than what comes with the the, the arcade one up the arcade one up stuff is crap um, these buttons and the sticks are way better. Um, so the kit was, I want to say 70 or 80 bucks for all the buttons and the sticks. And the, the, I got, I like balls, not bats. Um, so he's, I, he's talking all about balls. the joystick boats. Yeah. It's all, yeah. <laughs> joysticks. Um, so, uh, I got those. Um, that, that was like 70, 80 bucks. I didn't have a raspberry Pi, So that was like another 80 bucks with the case and the power supply and all that stuff. Um, so there are different ways you can, if you, you don't have to, depending on the, the cabinet you're modding, um, you can stick with the speakers cause, um, I think you have the same cabinet. So we have the third gen and they have speakers at the top. Mm -hmm. So the, the older street fighter ones have the speakers by the sticks, mm -hmm. which is kind of crappy. Um, and it's one speaker it's not stereo or anything. Um, so you can use those up there. And I did that with the second mod. I just kept the speakers that were in there. Uh, but for the turtles, um, I replaced the speakers. So I bought this, um, computer speaker set that had a sub. So, um, that was like, 40 bucks okay. and then i needed for that the the, ras the sound that comes out the raspberry pi is pretty weak so you need an amp and that was like 30 dollars. i got a cheap chinese it sounded amp. like two or three hundred bucks so far yeah it was fun though i mean 
Uh, oh, then the monitor I I bought on offer up because there you can't really find these, um, so you got to get them used. Uh, I think I paid uh seventy or eighty bucks a piece. Yeah, because I bought two. So maybe double the price of the cabinet is which ended up spending. Yeah, well, I got the cabinet for two eighty. And that was, it's usually around $400 brand new. And I got it off of OfferUp and it was brand new in the box. Um, so yeah. And, and it was a fun project. I learned a lot from, from that one. So why'd you do it again? Cause you made, you made like another so, cabinet into a multi-cade. So, um, and I'm going to do a third one. So, so uh the second one i did because i had a pandora's box laying around so during christmas eve i was a little drunk and i bought a pandora's box on ebay um because we had just done the the two-year thing and i was like shit i i really want an arcade thing so (laughs) i i bought a pandora's box that had two arcade sticks it's like a all-encompassing kind of box that has you just plug HDMI cable into it, and you have an arcade okay. kind of thing. And it comes with like over a little over four thousand games. And I was like, oh, um, and I had that, and I played it. It was cool, or whatever. But again, with that thing, I, I wasn't super happy with the buttons. Okay. And uh, and I got this X Men versus Street Fighter cabinet on offer up for dirt cheap. It was $180. The guy was just trying to get rid of it. And I know why, because the buttons didn't work and there were orange peels inside of it. (laughs) I don't know why or how that got there, (laughs) but it still kind of smells weird. (laughs) Maybe he was trying to to make it smell better or keep some. I don't know, but I don't know how you get orange peels inside of an arcade cabinet. It has to be delivered, right? It it was weird. Um, Uh, I knew somebody that would put orange peels in like their drawers to keep like silverfish out. Really? But this also had like a uh, sticky it didn't work, goo but... on the screen and stuff like that. Uh, that was probably um, like they some never took the, <laughs> you know, the plastic that's on the acrylic. Yeah. Uh, they never took that off either. They probably so, didn't notice it was there. I guess, but like, <laughs> anyway. So I had that laying around. I was like, this will be a really easy mod, and was it, it was. It, it took me like an afternoon. It wasn't what, very hard. What was the uh, cost of the Pandora's box? So the Pandora's box was, I think, a hundred and ten bucks because it came with two sticks and the and mm. the and the PCB inside, which is basically kind of like a, a Chinese Raspberry Pi with like four thousand games preloaded on it. Can you buy just that thing? Yeah, you can. You can. Um, What's that cost? That's about seventy, eighty bucks. So this is a thing. If you really want to do a ras, uh, not a ras. If you really want to do a Pandora's box, there's a ton of clones just like any chinese thing you would buy that has a bunch you know it is not like 100 percent legal um <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> tech junior does yeah. not endorse piracy <laughs> yeah exactly um so there's a great youtube channel called uh, wicked gamer this guy he's i think he's dutch um he does he all he does is buy a bunch of stuff from like aliexpress uh, all these Chinese like retro consoles and res not res I keep saying Raspberry Pi's but um, Pandora boxes and all the all these different things and he does reviews of them um, and I watch him do like reviews of all these different Pandora boxes and the Pandora Games 3D is the one that he recommended and after seeing the menu and stuff like that it was a lot user lot better like user experience. Okay. Uh, way more user friendly. Like you could actually search and save your favorites and stuff like that. Some of them you can't. Cool. And it ran some 3D games a lot better than so than the other ones because there's like the Pandora Key Seven, the Pandora Box DX. There's so many different clones. It's it's pretty overwhelming if you're trying to like dive into this stuff. Um. So that's what I got. And uh. But putting it in was like swapping out the buttons is very easy. Um, I kept the because I bought it in in the uh, the case that was already attached to buttons. I just took note of where everything was, left all the wires plugged in, just unplugged them from the the buttons, um, mounted it inside the uh, 
the arcade cabinet, plugged it to the same buttons, and that was it. I had to use the same sticks because uh, it uses um, Sanwa uh, clones. So if you have Sanwa sticks, you can swap these out pretty easily. Um, but the sticks that I have are not the same kind of Sanwa plugin. Um, so I use those same sticks. Those sticks were decent. They're still better than the arcade one up sticks. So that's kind of what I went with and it's fine. The hmm. only problem I have is that like the screen, um, for whatever reason is a little for like the games are look cut off, like maybe half an inch at the bottom, but they work pretty fine. I mean, um, it has a cool intro video, whatever. Um, I got the on and off button to work on that so I can use the actual on and off button that's on the arcade. I can't wow. do that with the Raspberry Pi. Um, yeah, I learned a bit about wiring and stuff like that through doing this. Nice. Um, so I plan to do that with the third cabinet. The third one's going to have an actual PC in it with a video card, playing more modern games like Street Fighter 4. Oh, um, okay. And I bought a light gun. Nice. that i got on um it's not it's not kickstarter what's the other one go uh indiegogo i think it was indiegogo yeah so there's this guy that um so you know the problem with light guns and lcds that they don't really work right yeah so they have like uh in the old days the screen would flash and then mm -hmm. the gun had like a camera in it that would pick up like the screen through like the flash It'd be, like one frame of flash yeah trigger. so the refresh rate on an, a crt is way faster than an lcd and because of that they're able to pick up like where the the light hits the screen or whatever um so uh, that's a problem with with light guns now why you can't play with lcd and usually um that's why like the wii systems use that IR, IR sensor infrared stuff. Bar. Yeah. Yeah. So some of the light gun get um not light gun games, but there are manufacturers that use that same technology for light guns now. If you want to use it on a main cabinet or something like that. Um this one guy uh uses um a camera inside the gun. Right. And so the software draws a cir uh, not a circle, but a, a square or around the screen. Yeah, it puts, puts like a gray border around the Yeah, LCD, it puts right? a border around the screen. And then because of that and the camera inside the gun, it can pinpoint. And it's way more accurate because if you're with the IR thing, if you're in standing in one spot and you calibrate everything, if you move, then everything's off and, you know, your, your aim's off. So with this, it's always accurate and it uses. So I, I bought a, a, one of the guns from him uh, and that won't come until March. So I have some time to get this next one set up. So I bought like a cheap because I, I had an old gaming PC, but I'm pretty sure the uh, the CPU is bad because I had an old Corsair like water heater or water um, cooler cooler <laughs> that um that dripped and ruined my old video card like most water coolers yeah. yeah so i'm pretty sure the the something else is wrong in that so i i went and bought like the next gen generation up really cheap for like 80 bucks on offer up from someone else and then um <laughs> i stripped the pc completely which was kind of fun because i i took everything out so there's no side panels there's i took all the like you know, the little cage in front that holds all the hard drives. Mm -hmm. Took all that stuff out. I stripped it completely. All bits completely bare other than like the skeleton of the, uh, the, the, the box that's holding the, uh, the motherboard and the PC and the, the CPU, I mean, and the fans and stuff like that. And I, I put the video card in there. Everything's kind of set to go. I just have to load up the rest of the games and then put it inside the arcade. Cool. That should be fun. You have to let me know how that turns out. Yeah, I think this is the most I've ever spoken on this podcast. <laughs> it is, I was gonna, I was gonna do something for uh, for Nerd Minute, but I, I'm not. I'm gonna save it for the next episode. Oh, <laughs> uh, why? What? How? What are we at? Well, we're we're good. at about 50 minutes, so I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up. But <laughs> I'm looking forward to coming over and seeing how the uh, 
the machines turned out. We can yeah, they, they were pretty good. Like we had my a little thing for my daughter's birthday and my brother-in-law and I, we played through the X-Men arcade game. Nice. Um, yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, played Welcome a lot to of, Die, right? Classic. Uh, is that what happens here? You don't remember Magneto jumps out when you get to the waterfall and he's like, oh, X-Men, welcome to die. And you fall off the cliff. Oh, uh, no, I don't remember that at all. That, oh, my God. I don't I'll remember send it that to you happening. On okay. It's like you're fighting the, you're on. Um, I know you fight him twice because you kill him and then uh, it's Mystique and then you have to like go and fight him again. Uh, I forget. What's the the lost something? There's an X-Men thing that's like Dinosaur Island or whatever. Oh, like the Savage Lands? Savage Lands, thank you. You're in Savage Lands, you're fighting Lizardmen, and at the end of it, there's some boss you fight, and then Magneto shows up, and then he says, welcome to die, and then you fall off the cliff. Oh, okay. I'll send you the clip. (laughs) All right, I remember that. I remember that stage. I don't remember that part. I was also distracted because you probably were weren't around. listening to what Magneto was actually saying because I think the most sound of the storyline is because sometimes that, that happens with the emulators. Yeah, that's another thing. Uh, emulators. Anyway, but yeah, cool. It's fun. Cool projects if you have them and have the time. <laughs> I, I totally recommend it. Like most good DIY projects, it's about the journey. And not yeah, necessarily yeah, the result. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, we can wrap it up. And uh, I'll, I'll talk about Resident Evil 7 on the next one. <laughs> okay, fine. Cool. Well, uh, man, how do we even close out the show anymore? We just say bye. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Tech Junior. Head on over to our site at techjunior.dev for show notes and past episodes. While you're there, sign up for the newsletter and get an email from us roughly once a week or every other week about the latest episode and some other stuff. If you want to support us, you can do so by becoming a Patreon subscriber. Special thanks to all our current and past patrons. And we've got uh, some other junk on the website under the support tab, so check it out. Uh, you can find links to all that stuff at techjunior.dev. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at techjuniorpodcast. That's techjrpodcast. Follow me at Lee Work Jr. and Eddie at ED0 to ER0. Uh, next episode, we are going to air an interview that we did with Colby Fayok, uh, who has uh, written some, some books about projects for developers to do, junior developers specifically, uh, to, to learn React and to get hired as a front-end developer. So uh, definitely check that out. Keep your eyes peeled for that one coming up. Uh, All right, that's all for me this week. Uh, Take care.